SAFM Sports Wrap. You're listening to South Africa's news and information leader. I'm Brad Brown. It's time to chat some crickets. And uh, if you're not a cricket fan, it does come across as one of the most confusing games with the weirdest rules and laws ever. And uh, the ICC have gone and changed a few of those laws uh, yesterday, and they come into effect pretty much tomorrow at the start of uh, the test between the Proteas and Bangladesh in Pochastrum. We join now by cricket journalist Tom Seisland. Uh, Tom, welcome back onto SAFM Sports Wrap this evening. Uh, you understand the rules uh, of that, I've got no doubt, but uh, I don't want to say there's been a spanner thrown in the works, but there have uh, been a few changes. Well, thanks, Fred. Yeah, there's quite a long list of changes. Um, <laughs> Some are really good for cricket. Um, some I'm not so sure about, but it's quite exciting that some of them could be in effect uh, from tomorrow with the Proteus Bangladesh test. One of the, the, the rule changes has got to do with the dimensions of the cricket bats and uh, particularly the thickness because they seem to have been getting thicker and thicker uh, and the ball seems to be travelling further and further. What's the, what's the story there? Is, is it a case of the ICC don't want the ball to be hit as far as it has been hit in recent times? Yeah, shame. Poor old David Warner. We won't see his uh, strike, <laughs> strike rate at, at 80 anymore, I don't think. Um, I think that's good for the game. Um, I think the thickness of the bats before gave the batsmen a lot of assistance. I mean, you see edges going for six and, you know, all those kind of shots just fly to the boundary. I'm, I'm not saying that that won't happen still, but it just gives, it just brings the bowlers into, and the fielders into the game a little bit more. I think it's quite fair, and it just means that you know these types of things won't get out of hand. There are now finally restrictions in place. I'm sure a lot of the bowlers would be hoping that they made the bats narrower, but that is not the case. Uh, one of the other uh, rule changes, and this is a, a first, it's, uh, they're bringing in where, where players can get sent off the fields for, for misdemeanors. Tell us more about that. Yeah, I'm not so sure about that. Um, I think you actually see it clamping down a lot when it comes to poor behavior. Um, obviously, we saw Rabada getting that one match suspension for swearing. I just think it takes the aggressiveness out of the game a bit. Um, I think it is good to have a certain amount of control, but uh, I don't know. I, I like that sort of heated atmosphere, and I feel there are actually a couple of rules that have come into effect that might change that now. Um, players have to be very careful about the way they behave. And cricket's generally not really a sport where they have to worry too much about that. You know, I mean, that's applicable in football, but I don't know about cricket. So I think... Players, generally speaking, behave themselves, and when they don't, it's actually quite exciting. It's exciting for the fans, it revs up the players. So um, I'm not so sure about the ICC continuing to clamp down on poor, behave- poor behaviour. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I can understand if uh, a player's having a go at an umpire for, for that. I, I agree 100%, but you, you, you never see that in cricket. It is a gentleman's game, and, and I think you're right with regards to the battles that we've seen over the years. You, you mentioned Kahisa Rabada, but there have been some big ones over the years, and I think the one that stands out in my mind was the, uh, the battle between uh, Michael Atherton and Alan Donald, and, and uh, the bit of verbal that went on with that one. And that was fantastic to watch, and I, I'm with you. I hope that uh, doesn't leave the game. And then the third one is some changes to the review system. I remember when this uh, first came in, it was used just for run-outs. They're now using it for pretty much everything. Some big changes there, Tom. Um, yeah, I've, I've got a few gripes with um, the, the new system there where it's um, the umpire's call, and now it means that the, I think the batsman keeps his review. Um, I'm not so sure about that because it now means that the batsmen are going to review all the time, you know, because they, they can probably sense that it's going to be umpire's call. Um, so they've got that to support them now. If it's umpire's call, then they keep their review. 
I'm not sure about that. I think the review system was there in place to ensure that the batsmen don't get, all the bowlers don't get treated unfairly with poor calls. Um, but if it's umpire's call, then that, that's umpire's call. And that means it's out or not out. And I don't think the batsmen or the bowlers should be rewarded uh, for keeping their review just because they've reviewed it and it's umpire's call. Yeah, it does. To me, I'm just concerned that it's going to slow the game down even more. I mean, we've seen, and, and it's a different sporting code, but we've seen with rugby and uh, the sort of referrals there and just how that slowed things down. The last thing you want is, is like you say, every second appeal to, to be sent upstairs. Yeah, no, exactly. It's going to slow down the game as well. Um, it's kind of like it, in tennis when, you know, they just they do reviews just for the sake of reviews when they need a break or, you know, um, I hope that doesn't get out of control too much. It just means the batsmen and the bowlers don't need to think as carefully. They can just review. They think it's going to be unpass call, and then they go for it. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a shame that that's come into effect. It means it will slow down the game, and it's, uh, it means that there's going to be a lot more reviews, which I don't think is necessary. Any other changes in that review system that we should uh, take note of, or are there some minor things that we might pick up through, throughout the upcoming season? Um, there's one which is... Um, I think it's uh, when you've got a close shoulder and it smacks him on the helmet. Um, there's uh, and then and then it smacks him on the helmet, rebounds, and then the player catches it. That used to be not out, um, and now the helmet is part of uh, that fielder's sort of that, that the helmet becomes the fielder. Uh, so if it smacks off a helmet and the player catches it, or that player catches it, then that's out. And I think that's fair because. Um, I think you don't want to want to discourage uh, the players close um, close in from uh, you know uh, getting getting battered or defending themselves. Uh, you want that sort of protection there, and if they do need to duck their head and it comes off the helmet, then I think that's fair. Absolutely. Well, it should be interesting. Uh, never a dull moment in cricket, I guess. We'll follow this one closely. Yeah. I think there's a few more nuances to this that we haven't discussed tonight, but uh, and, and different permutations, which will definitely crop up in the upcoming season. But, uh, Tom Sison, as always, great to catch up. Thanks for your time this evening on SAFM Sports Wrap. Yep, thanks, Red. SAFM Sports Wrap. This is South Africa's news and information leader. If you watched the cycling this past weekend, uh, the World Road Championships taking place in Bergen in Denmark. Fantastic advert for the sport. Just uh, uh, the Danish uh, people coming out in their numbers uh, to support the best cyclists in the world. And if you watched on Sunday, you would have seen uh, the name of Vili Smits up front for a large part of that race. And, uh, yeah, I know I was screaming at my TV, hoping that he would uh, be able to hang out uh, or stay away from the peloton, but it wasn't to be a great performance nonetheless. But he's in the news once again this week, and we announced yesterday that he has signed for Katusha Alperson in 2018. He'll be moving up to World Tour level, and he joins us now. Vili Smith, welcome on to SFM Sports Wrap. Thanks for your time. Ah, pleasure, and thanks for having me on the show. Before we get into the big news this week, uh, you're back in South Africa following uh, the World Champs this weekend. An incredible experience, I'm sure. Uh, yes, an uh, incredible experience as usual. Very stressful, um, as usual. A lot of preparation going into uh, such a one-day event. Um, I mean, it's, it's months of prep, um, all just in one day, and you can crash around any corner and it's all over within seconds. So, yeah, it was an amazing experience with all the fans there. I mean... Um, going through some of the crowds, it was, it was, there were so many people that, you know, you, your ears would just ring for another kilometer um, after you've passed through them. So, yeah, it was quite an experience. Billy, you've raced on, uh, in some big races, obviously, for various teams, but how special is it representing your country on a, on a stage like that on Sunday? 
Yeah, I guess it, it, it's 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 quite a privilege for me to move up to World Tour now, but it will always be um, like close to your heart representing your own country, and that's really sentimental. Um, yeah, so but like I say, uh, World Tour and representing your country is it's pretty similar. Let's talk about that move to World Tour level. Katusha Alperson, you're currently leading the 2017 UCI Africa Tour standings. Uh, it's it's a big step up to World Tour, but uh, you must be pretty excited. This must be a dream come true for you. Yeah, um, finally, after eight years of doors opening and shutting, um, I've managed to find a, um, finally meet the, re- the real people, get the results at the right time. Um, and yeah, I must sound very fortunate. Extremely getty, difficult getting into these water teams. Um, it's, it's not always how good you ride. It's, it's sometimes about who you know, um, and especially to be able to be the first uh, African rider um, in this team ever. Uh, it's quite an honour and uh, something I'm really looking forward to and representing South Africa. Vili, how big a role is as the likes of of seeing other South African cyclists, the likes of Louis Mankey's doing so well recently. You look at uh, Daryl Impey and uh, Robert Hunter over the years, who who you've ridden against and with o- over the years as well. Seeing how they've done, and then also the the sort of rise of uh, Quebecer, the the dimension data for Quebecer team, and and seeing what they're doing on the international stage. How much belief has that fooled you in uh, with with over the years, believing that you know if they can do it, I can do it. Um, yeah, I must say, as a South African, I mean, in any sports, we all have our role models and teams that we look up to. And without them, there, there really won't be a lot of belief um, and motivation at the same time. So, I mean, Robbie Hunter winning the first stage in the Tour de France back in 2007 really put South African cycling on the map. And that was around about the same time um, MTN Quebec, which is by mentioned by Tunnel, also start, actually started out, um, and they really uh, put South African cycling on the map. And, yeah, big ups to, to Doug Ryder for, um, you know, um, building such a, a cycling team. It's, it's quite amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, I mean, having more riders, South African riders in the peloton, uh, even if it's not for, for uh, Dimension Data, is a good thing. Uh, Katusha Alperson's a big name for 2018, uh, looking at the likes of Marcel Kittel, Nathan Haas, uh, it's some big names you're going to be riding alongside. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the biggest name there, obviously, is Marcel Kitzel, but also for the really big tours, Yolnur Zakarin, who's a Russian rider. Um, he, he, he's also actually in it to win it uh, at the Tour, at the Tour de France. So he's an amazing rider as well. So there's really a top, uh, a, a big group of amazing riders there, and I'm really looking forward to, to learning quite a lot from them. Um, you, um, in terms of marginal gains and everything like that going forward. Your role within the team? <laughs> I still need to find myself as a rider, <laughs> so I'm just uh, uh, hoping to please everyone in the team and then find my, uh, my feet and, and really see what happens. It, it will be my first year, and it's really like uh, Yosa Acevedo, my, my team director, said it's going to be a big, big step up. Um, yeah, so it's, it's going to be a very tough time going forward. Um, definitely not easy, but luckily um, now I only have to worry about riding my bike and not worrying about buying plane tickets and booking accommodation and, <laughs> and all that stuff. 
Yeah, it takes a, it takes a bit of pressure off. Vili, obviously after World Champs now, a bit of a uh, bit of time off, uh, but not not too much because you, you're probably going to be starting base training soon for the start of the new season. What, what's the sort of program look like uh, going forward for you? Um, well, um, as you know, I'm, I'm with Road Cover Cycling Team, and based in South Africa. Um, you know, they've, they've really done a lot, a lot to support me. So there's still a few races that I'll be doing with them, like I'm a Shorva 94.7. Um, but I will be taking off a few weeks now just to, to not overtrain because that can really um, damage your heart and your body quite significantly moving forward. Um, so after after a few weeks of rest, I'll be joining them and then starting my season building up slowly again. Billy, you also mentioned that it's been years and years of, of hard work. People only really see the, the rewards of the labor you've put in when you end up on a world tour and you end up riding grand tours. But this has been a, a long time coming. What, what would you say to other young cyclists who are slogging it out and, like you say, worrying about where they're going to sleep and uh, sort of air tickets to get to where they need to go to? What would you say to them to, to, keep, to keep going and to motivate them? Well, I guess it's, it's more about persistence, you know, the longer you keep knocking on the door, eventually someone will open up. Um, so I'll, you know, I just keep on, you know, you always just keep on, keep on, keep on pushing hard. And all you can do is hope that, that, that the right doors open up. You know, it's not always about hard work. It's, you know, it's also about, um, having discipline and respecting other people and building good relationships, which is sometimes even more important. Um, but yeah, you just have to keep on trying, trying, trying. Um, even though you're not receiving, even though you're not seeing results immediately, you know, at the end of the day, like I said, all you can do is hope. And if it was meant to be, um, I'm sure it should happen. Well, Vili, I've been following your career for a long time. I'm super proud and super happy for you, and I can't wait to see you riding uh, in the World Tour next season. It's going to be fantastic. Congratulations once again. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. This is Sport on SAFM, every supporter's greatest resource. On to some football now and following a number of questionable match officiating decisions and low standard of refereeing in the Premier Soccer League since the beginning of the season, SAFA CEO Dennis Mumble says they expect the referees' review and technical committees to crack the whip. Speaking during the launch of the Soweto Local Football Association Clinic Sticks Marewa Football Challenge today, Mumble says the controversial decisions from last week's Cape Town City and Polokwane City game will also be reviewed. No, absolutely. That's under review right now. You know, uh, I... I had a bereavement in PE over the weekend and on Friday night I flew down to PE and as I landed I you know obviously the match took place while I was flying I heard all of the stories about the Friday night match but yes those things are being reviewed I'm waiting for the outcome of those reviews Uh, hopefully by the time I get to the office I will know uh, what the review committee's uh, uh, recommendations are. Uh, with respect to what has happened over the last week. There have been a lot of controversial decisions, disallowed goals, wrong penalty goals and a number of glaring errors made by the match officials in the first two months of the season. Mumble says they demand answers from the refereeing structures. We cannot be happy and this is why the experts must now tell us what we need to do. Um, we, we have asked that, we, that the referees technical committee is responsible for the quality control uh, within the, the referees fraternity, they must take a look to see do we need to do some additional intervention and get the referees together perhaps 
uh, in the middle of the season try and see what it is that uh, you know these technical mistakes are uh, that are being made and to correct those from a disciplinary standpoint the review committee must give us recommendations as to what to do some of them have already you know been relegated to the lower leagues to go and make sure that their timing and their, their match performance improves but at the highest level um, you know, clearly it, it cannot be acceptable because it's, it's really the reputation of the game at stake here. So this is something that we are dealing with this week. I know Ian McLeod has uh, been talking to the subcommittees about what uh, uh, interventions we need to do. So as I said, I have not received the, ref the review committee's uh, uh, recommendations yet. Uh, it's just been a little bit hectic this week. But uh, the matter is being addressed. It's not just being left. Uh, I'll go back and see uh, whether there are uh, reports that have come in from the review committee about what they've uh, done last night because they review on Tuesdays. With the head of referees, Peter Sajake, currently on suspension on corruption-related charges, former top referee Ian McLeod is in charge on a temporary basis. He's not full-time at the office and he's also a school principal. Mumble says this is not affecting his work. He's in charge of referees right now. But, you know, he's a, he's, he's a principal of a very prestigious school. Um, yes, but we, he has a support system in the office and he does come into uh, the office with permission of, of his current employers uh, a, a couple of times a week. Uh, he, you'll see him, he's not match commissioning as much as he, as he used to because he's now spending, yeah, he's spending his time you know, doing suffer work. Uh, but not closing off the match commissioning because we also don't want him to lose touch with what is happening there. So yes, you have to pick and choose uh, those games that are quite of, of importance and things that I think are, you know, would be fairly convenient uh, for him considering his role in the referees department. But yes, the, uh, he has his finger on the pulse and uh, uh, liaising with all of the subcommittees to make sure that they do their work. Meanwhile, negotiations between the South African Football Association and the first-choice candidate for the Banyana Banyana vacant head coaching job, Carolina Moraes, seem to have broken down. Moraes, a former Italian, Canadian and Trinidad and Tobago women's national team head coach, has been identified as the main candidate to replace Vera Powell since she left after the Rio Olympics last year. We were given the task to negotiate with, uh, uh, with, with three. Uh, there was a short list of three. The, the, the one, you know, we... we that the, first we, the, 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 the first choice or the number one choice was, uh, you know, we, we concluded those negotiations last week. Uh, I, um, you know, the, the, the requirements were just too, too high. It was just too much for us. I, I don't want to say who it is, but clearly it was just not enough. So now, uh, this week I've opened discussions with the, another they're all women. We said we are not going to hire men for women's teams, not at this point in our history. Mm -hmm. So you open negotiations with the second choice now? Um, well, with one of the three choices, with the next one in the three choices. And so we are trying to conclude with a, a, a coach. Yeah. That's why I say, you know, it's back and forth. We, it really has started off well with the first one. And, you know, next thing you know, uh, just when you think you have it done in a new thing comes in, uh, you know, I now want to... There have been a lot of expectations that caretaker coach Desiree Ellis would be considered for the main post after she won the Kasafa Women's Championship with Banyana this past weekend in Zimbabwe. But Mumble says they've been busy with this process long before the recent achievements. Well, it does clearly put us under pressure, but, you know, it's not just about Kasafa. It's also about succeeding at the African Women's 
Cup of Nations or the Women's Africa Cup of Nations and, and more importantly qualifying for the World Cup and also not just participating there you know and that takes another level of experience as you know is not so much a question of qualification necessarily but experience coaching at that level on the international stage is where we are we are lacking locally and, and we have to be honest about that um, that you know do we stack up to the United States do we stack up to Germany do we stack up to Sweden you know those are the strong women's football powers do we stack up to China do we stack up to Japan uh, those are the women's football powers in the world and, and clearly um, the feeling is that we, we still have some ways to go uh, when it comes to succeeding there. So yeah, it's, it's all you know, very, very good and we congratulate Desiree for uh, succeeding at the Kosafa level. Um, but you know, we have to ask ourselves uh, what will it take to succeed there at the international level, at the World Cup. That's our ultimate prize. It's almost a year since Banyana Banyana have been operating without a head coach, Ellis, who was also in charge of the team when they took part in the African Women's Championship in Cameroon last year. Ellis herself recently admitted that she would like to remain part of the new Banyana technical team, irrespective of the position she would hold. And Mumble confirmed today that whatever happens, the former Banyana captain will be part of the technical team, taking the South African senior women's national football team forward. Desiree was one of the three that was, that was uh, interviewed, yeah. But but e- either way, either way, Desiree will be part of the national team structure. If she's not successful as, you know, in, in, in terms of being the head coach, she will be an assistant coach. That, that one I can tell you here. Uh, and whoever it is that we're negotiating with, that is a condition for whoever it is that comes. So, well, well, clearly we have to take that into consideration, yeah. But there are things that the technical committee has taken into account which, you know, didn't only include winning Kosafa. Uh, there are a number of other things, uh, quite obviously, that, that the technical committee had to, to consider as criteria. Um, you know, one of which is the development of other coaches. Uh, you know, whoever it is that the candidate is going to be the head coach must also be able to mentor South African coaches because the next coach that we get must not be a foreigner, it must be a South African and, and we have to develop more and more South Africans. So that's really part of the, the criteria. So it's not just, uh, you know, limited to, to uh, COSAFA. There's also the uh, Women's Africa Cup of Nations and qualification for the World Cup and, and experience at those levels are quite important as well. But still, wasn't that the idea in the first place when you started? Well, th- that didn't happen. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't happen to the extent that we had, we had initially planned it. So, um, and I mean, that was one of the reasons why I said let's not close the door to a, a foreign coach right now because the state of development of women's football coaches uh, in, in the country needs a, a lot more development. So that really was part of the discussion in our technical committee. You're listening to Sport on SAFM, the next best thing to being at the game. Well, that cricket test match between the Proteas and Bangladesh gets underway tomorrow. We'll have live updates for you throughout the day here on SAFM, so make sure you stay tuned. But uh, some other cricket news that was announced today. 
was uh, the itinerary for the Indian tour to South Africa early next year. Three test matches to be played between the Proteas and India, and the venues were announced today. Cape Town, Centurion and Johannesburg, the itinerary for the tour uh, of three test matches, six one-day internationals and three T20 internationals, was announced a week after the tour was confirmed following lengthy negotiations. Centurion will host two one-day internationals, so one-day game and a day-night match. The others will be played in Durban, Cape Town, Johannesburg and Port Elizabeth. The 2020 internationals will be played at the Wanderers, Supersport Park and at Newlands in Cape Town. Details of an Indian women's tour were also announced with uh, the last three of 60 internationals being played as the first leg of double headers to the men's matches. That's great news as well. It was also announced that Zimbabwe will play three, uh, a three-day match in Pal between the 20th and the 22nd of December ahead of a planned day-night test to be played over four days in Port Elizabeth from the 26th to the 29th of December. Cricket South Africa are seeking approval from the International Cricket Council to stage a four-day test match. So we'll watch that space very, very closely. And that's about it for SAFN Sports Wrap this evening. I'm back again tomorrow afternoon on PM Live. Dwayne Belocker will be with you tomorrow evening at 6.30 and we'll have more sport for you tomorrow morning with Janet Witten on AM Live. So make sure you tune in then. If you have any comments, questions or suggestions, you can email us, sport at safm.co.za. You can also reach out uh, on various social media platforms. Just search for SAFM Radio or reach out to me personally at Big Brad Brown. I love hearing from you. Do be in touch. Coming up on the other side of 7 o'clock, it is the talk shop. Right now, though, it is time for you news from myself, Brad Brown, and my producer, Siobhan Chetty. Have yourself a great evening. It is 7 o'clock.